everyone, and welcome to the Glad to Podcast. I am Lauren Romo. With me, as always, is my cousin and fellow nerd, Andrea Gutierrez. This is the way. This is the way, damn it. <laughs> damn it. We love Star Wars. <laughs> we love Star Wars here, people. Sorry. This is <laughs> call, call me a shill. Call me what you want. This is care. the way. This is the way, man. I love Star Wars. This is good stuff. What's going on, Ange? Oh, you know, just living that BTS stand life. <sighs> Usually I talk about it at the end of the show, but God, Jimin just came out with an album and a couple performances. And oh my God, I just love that guy. I was, I will say, I was watching his interview with Jimmy Fallon. It was so good. Cute. I liked it. Yeah. He's so cute. It was good. It was fun. fun it's stuff. kind of hard, like, watching, knowing he doesn't speak English well and knowing that he... I thought he did pretty, like... He did do good. good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, the best yeah. he's ever done. Out of all of them, he probably struggles the most with English. So it was like, oh my God. I heard, not cool. to get off topic, but I heard that from a fan that was there said that there was a part where he actually like stopped Jimmy and he was like, I don't understand English. And Jimmy was like, I know, man, don't worry. He's like, I got you and like held his hand and they like continued. So I think that's oh, cute. that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Good on good on Jimmy Fallon. Then look at that. Yep. All right. That's uh, the first of the BTS, BTS <laughs> recaps. We'll probably hit it up at the end. as We, we are a Star Wars podcast. <laughs> yes, kids. If you didn't know. We are going to be talking about The Mandalorian, episode four of season three, The Foundling. But before we get into all that good stuff, if this is your first time listening to us, welcome. We are a Star Wars podcast that discuss anything and everything within that galaxy far, far away. In each episode, we will dive into one or two topics and have a general discussion on them. Topics could be movies, TV series, books, comics, a specific character, you name it. And we talk about it. All right, Ange. We are halfway through the season, I believe, as far as I know. We are, it's eight episodes. As Correct. Previous. That's what I heard. Yep. Yeah. So we're halfway. This is the halfway point. We have seen a majority of trailer stuff. There's not all, though. Nope. We, I'm assuming, again, this is my assumption, like I said last week. I thought we would get all of it in episode four, but we didn't. So I'm assuming next episode we will get to the Navarro pirate stuff and then. Episodes six, seven, and eight will be sight unseen, and I'm very excited about that. But yeah, we got a big stuff this week. I mean, just lore, you know, flashbacks of Grogu. We got a lot. It was a really good episode. I enjoyed it. Ange kick us off, though, as we always do. Overall thoughts, opinions, feelings, viewing. How'd you go? How'd you feel? I didn't work that day, so I got to wake <laughs> up. You didn't have to watch it while you're at <laughs> work this it. week. <laughs> so I watched it at home and I loved every second of it. I was, oh my God, I just love Grogu, man. I love his face. I love his little waddles. I just love him. Yeah. Oh, so that was great. Um, the development around Bo-Katan, uh, the interaction with the armor yeah. was really great. Um, uh, Paz Vizsla has a kid. <laughs> What? Right, right. I'm at best was the Jedi that saved Grogu. How awesome Dude, was that? That was great. That was great. Oh, it was just a feel good episode, honestly. And um, everybody, I know right before everyone had found out that it was only 31 minutes and people are like, why are they doing this? But honestly, it was a packed 31 minutes and every every part of it was had had momentum and moved us along and it was really great. I loved it. Yeah, no, it moved along for me like it. 
again, if when they do the thing, you know, I've said this before, when they do the thing, they do the thing, they do it well. They're doing the thing. And it, it flies by, right? Because you are so engaged with the episode that you, right. I mean, just it flies by. And so much stuff was in there. I mean, like you said, Grogu, Order 66, we get that. We get Grogu training, which was so adorable. We get Bo-Katan and her story developing, which is fascinating to me. I love that character, you and I both love that character. So it's fascinating to see what she's going through. And yeah, you know, Din, Din kind of, Din Dejarin did take a little bit of a backseat in this episode in a way, but like it's still called the Mandalorian and we're with Mandalorian. So, I mean, it works for me. I love it. The visuals were good. You know, a lot of cool, again, creatures that we see. Just a fun Star Wars episode. Like this isn't. And we were talking about this right before we were recording, but this isn't an episode of like Andor, right? Where Andor was serious stuff. You and I talked about that when Andor was on. Yeah, heavy, this heavy was dialogue, heavy performance. It was just a different. It's a it's different, a different vibe. Yes. Yeah, it's a. It was a different vibe, a different way of storytelling that a lot of people liked, us included. We loved Andor, and I think if I remember correctly, and when we first started this season you even had to be like okay switch the andor brain off oh yeah because again this is just it's a different way of storytelling this show that this show does right it is literally dave filoni john favreau playing in a sandbox with freaking star wars toys you can't get more playing with star wars toys than creatures coming in every couple seconds and taking people away i mean that is playing with your toys in the sandbox right right so, I mean, you know, then having Mandalorians, like, you know, traverse up a up a cliff and all that. I mean, that brings you back to childhood when you had those figures, right? And climbing up, like, furniture or whatever. Like, it's just, it's just what we did. So, yeah. It's a different way of Star Wars, tell, Star, um, Star Wars storytelling. It is. And it is. It's vastly different than Andor. And that's. That's not a knock on this show or Andor. Like, both shows, in my opinion, are great. And they're vastly, but they're vastly different, though, too, right? But there's a reason for that, you know? I don't get the point of comparing the two. I agree. I agree. I mean, I get the point of saying, like, whoa, I kind of have to mind shift to, to, like, I have to turn this part of my brain off to, like, this part. I get that, but... I just don't get comparing the two. They're not comparable whatsoever. I, I don't even get comparing Andor to Obi-Wan. I don't know why we constantly need to put the latest Star Wars media against the one that came prior. Like, what Agreed. is that all about? You know, it's kind of nice that the Bad Batch is just kind of on its own and competing against itself, you know, which is which is interesting. But I just don't get it. Like... Everybody had moments where they didn't like Obi-Wan and then Andor came along and they had moments they didn't like Andor, but then they liked, they liked Obi-Wan better. You know, it just keeps doing this vicious, nasty cycle. I mean, people want to change their minds. They want to sit at home and think about it a little bit longer and say, you know what, maybe this isn't for me. Cool. Like that's valid, right? That's valid. Like I understand that. 
And I can understand like the adrenaline and the hype you have when you're first watching that, like kind of taking you away from the way your, your, your brain, like, um, right. Translates things right. or enjoys right. things or anything like that. But I don't, I don't know, like the discourse it's whatever. Like you said, when, when we were talking earlier, you're like, am I wrong? Like, am I, am I like the bad fan for just like, just enjoying something that's just right fun like am, am i and <laughs> no we're, i don't no we're not we're just i don't know we're just going with the flow right what we like i it's interesting because again it, like you just said it's a cycle of star wars fandom and that's a whole different obviously podcast and topic but it's weird to me how people can like you're saying just they want to compare and contrast which is fine that's that's part of part of being a fan you always you want to compare things and you know see what's better or what's not or the differences i get it that's just part of part of the culture part of the you know movie review space right but i think there's a way in if you really want to hear this in a deeper detail, I would recommend everybody listening to Ken Naps. I guess this is a small plug for him, but his show called The Blathering, where he he's by himself. He just talks about, you know, certain like maybe the topic of the week or whatever. And he was talking about kind of movie reviews, this kind of space. And, you know, there's like his again, I'm super paraphrasing paraphrasing everything that he says but what it boils down to is it's how people express those opinions or express those feelings right because you can express them in a way where it invites conversation invites discussion right and that and that's good right because that's how it should be but then there's ways but then people do it in ways where they are just it's my opinion is right Yours is wrong, you know, and then they just want to fight about it. They just look for fights. They want to start fights. And it's just like, that's just not, and it's just, it's just, and that's not just with Star Wars. It's with a lot of fandoms, right? I mean, you can go to any fandom. Music, you know, movie, whatever, right? I mean, there's fandoms and everything. And there's always discourse, but it's just weird to me how, People will just want to rip something apart just so they can feel superior almost in a way. It's it's a weird it's a weird thing. And I know and I know Andrew before we record you said you wanted to bring something up too. I think in and around it was it around this kind of topic. What you got? Well, we were kind of talking about like maybe people just don't connect with the Mandalorian lore, right? Maybe yeah, maybe Ma it's maybe yeah. it's the Mandalorian way of life that people just aren't connecting with because honestly, the culture, the society, the right. culture, the society, thinking, what they yeah. stand for, which is valid. maybe which is cool because honestly, when this episode opened up and they're all on the beach fighting each other, I for a minute was like, ugh, I don't want Grogu growing up in this. Honestly, I agree. I, I that's agree. exactly how I felt. But then I like stopped and I was like, well, you know, the Jedi, they 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 
practice battle and and things like that too and train I was the like, bad ones yeah right so then i was like oh i don't know but that was my initial thought when they and then and then that shot of him just sitting there in the middle and then knowing that they were live creatures hermit crabs all around him what an excellent foreshadow i'm thinking to what his impact is going to be with creatures going forward and yep, yep. and later in in this series and maybe in the season but i but i i don't know i like mandalorian culture but the the fighting of it i i'm a little like oh maybe that's too much maybe it's too much for grogu right but maybe not but i i love the way mandalorians look right i i love the aesthetic of them i hate that word but i like the aesthetic of them i think it's so cool and I do like the children of the watch. I don't get turned off by their rules and things like that. I kind of appreciate them at times. I can find myself comparing them to religion, but then I have to remember that I don't think that's what the the content creators and the artists are trying to display. I don't think so yet. Let's wait and see what happens with this group. But I don't think this is a lesson in what happens when you join organized factions of a belief, right? I just, I don't think we're there yet. And if we are, cool. But for right now, no, I think, I think we're just going back to the story of sometimes traditions make people stronger, make groups of people stronger and build community. And that's what we're seeing. Well said. I, I totally agree. I think it is hard because, again, you can get those vibes, just like you're saying, right? You can get the vibes of, like, culty whatever. 100%. And and it's totally understandable where people can see that, for sure. I I don't know where I stand with them because I have – it changes, right? Because you – the more you're learning, right, the more that we are learning about this side of Mandalorian. And we're doing it with Bo-Katan, by the way. We're going through the journey with her and, like, you know, her apprehension, right? We felt that in, like, season two, right? When she when she realized Din was part of the Children of the Watch. And she had her, like, remarks, right? And so did her two friends. But now that we are in this this part of the culture, this creed, Right, the the creed that they follow so vehemently, Bo Katan is starting to understand stuff. You know, she's starting to understand their perspective on things and you know how they have survived and why they keep surviving or why they keep following this way, the way, right? As as they say. And she's even starting to believe, and we'll we'll get into you know Bo Katan later on, but yeah, it it's it's a funny thing, I think, for but it's not I, mean, I don't want to say a funny thing, but it's just very interesting how people, you know, are seeing what they are presenting, right? And they do feel and I I'm 100% with you. I do I think of Grogu like I don't want him to grow up that in this way, in this way. And honestly, I think that's maybe part of the journey. You and I have talked about it before. 
that I think this is going to be part of what Din's journey is, is maybe realizing this isn't how he wants Grogu to grow up. Even I mean, though this he's, episode, he was about it. I right. Mean, yeah. Oh, 100%, right? Because this is the way he has, he was raised, right? This is this is the way he is only, that he only knows. But I feel like something will happen to where that clashes, right? Because of something with Grogu. That's just my, again, that's just my, my un, initial reactions or my uh, thoughts on where I think this story might go, right? It, it's just fascinating. I, I Again, yeah, I, just like you, Ange, I love Mandalorians. I love the culture, the society, the whole, like, kind of mystery behind it, right? Because before this show, we didn't really get a ton of Mandalorian stuff, right? We got bits and pieces, bigger in Rebels because of Sabine. Obviously, Clone Wars, right? We got a lot of stuff. But now we're really sinking our teeth into this whole lore of it. And I love it. I, I love it. I love, like you're saying, Mandalorians just look cool. You can't you, you can't deny they just look freaking cool, man. They just look cool. So I I mean I don't know. Any final thoughts uh, before we kind of dive into it uh, overall? No, I mean it's I mean I have so many thoughts. <laughs> I mean even as you were talking, I was thinking like how how the term "this is the way" it can be very problematic, right? It like oh, cuts yeah. off, oh, it cuts yeah. off the conversation. It keeps people from expressing what they truly mean. It, you know, it it it's a strange way to communicate. Um, so I'm not saying like this is the way. Like I'm all about. I'm not like. But then again, like I am. So I'm just keeping an open mind around what we're learning. You know, it's so interesting because the show's called The Mandalorian. Yet in the first season, he was a bounty hunter. He wasn't even a Mandalorian. Yeah. We didn't yeah. even get a taste of what Mandalorians truly were, and now we are. And and I love every second of that because. Like you said, we only got bits and pieces of it from different stories. And now, like, and and I think we're just scratching the surface of it, too. There's so much we we need to learn about this. But then again, that's the same way as the Jedi, too. Like, when we first saw Star Wars and we found out what a Jedi was, and then we put our own assumptions around it, and then when we came back and then learned what the Jedi Council had transitioned to, and and what the I mean, then our and then our opinions were like, oh, we don't even know what we're thinking anymore. We don't even know that what is the truth. And I think that's what's the best part about Star Wars is the nonlinear storytelling that keeps you questioning what what do you support or or what what team are you on. Or, or are you just a team of, of, of the storytelling? And I think that's once you, once I felt comfortable being in team storytelling instead of team dark side, team light side, team empire, team rebel, once I just became team storytelling is when I have truly, truly, truly enjoyed this and been content as a, as a fan. I a hundred percent agree. I mean, when you start looking at how the stories are being presented. It does change. It changed your whole, it changed your whole perspective. And I think that did it for me. And I think it's done it for like, you're just saying doing it for you too. Like 
I think when it came around was honestly in the book of Boba Fett and to to see something that was silly and campy and and um and at times like I was like this is not for me um this is not my Star Wars right I was that person (laughs) for a second best best but then to like come around and be like whoa it's the story like it's, it's his it's his journey right it changed yeah i mean and and you mentioned about you know how we first saw jedi right in a new hope you know we learned through the original trilogy like oh jedi 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 what are they you know they're so honorable right they're so <laughs> and then george lucas is like no 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 i mean the creator the maker himself says hold on kids i got another story to tell through the prequels so like yeah this is it's kind of in star wars dna to make you like recontextualize and rethink about things and you know who did it one of the best in my opinion before we move on is ryan johnson ryan johnson everyone thank you very much end of story (laughs) but yeah let's let's dive into this episode we talked about you know you were talking about grogu earlier Big, big stuff with with the little man, you know, in this episode. So I want to dive into his specific his specific little arc in this in this episode, which is called again. This is the Foundling, directed by Carl Weathers, and written by John Favreau. And I think for the fir- the first time this season, uh, Dave Filoni got uh, writer's credit as well, which is very very cool. Which obviously, ton of sense. When you look at it to be about Order 66 and all that, makes sense that Floney was all all over and, you know, fingerprints were all over it. But regardless, Grogu training was the coolest little thing I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I loved it. Him and his I, little paintballs. It was awesome. Yeah. You know, again, you see, like you were saying up top, and, you know, the first shot is us seeing this whole coven right it's big i mean i feel like each time we go back to it it grows like you see more and more mandalorians you've seen a a lot of the younger foundlings right training and doing just a bunch of stuff and then you see grogu and din goes to him and says hey you know what it's time for you to start kind of learning and seeing what this what this is as a foundling right and he puts him up against the foundling that we see in episode one as they're getting their helmet. Who, by, by this episode, and I can't remember if we talked about that or not, but like that was Paz Vizsla's son, Ragnar, which was very cool. But Grogu, you know, gets into the training and they use these, like, like you're saying, paintball darts. And I love how Din's like, you know, just move your, you know, put your hand, you know, uh, clench your clench your hand, and then the darts will come out. And then, you know, first round, he gets hit, and he looks at Din. And I love Din's like, don't look at me, look at him. Like, I just love it. Like, that's such, like, a dad, like, thing, right? Yeah. Like, it's uh-huh. such a thing. Yeah, like, I don't know why you're looking at me. And then, again, he gets hit again, and then... He gives him the nice like encouragement of, you know, listen, I know what you can do. You got, 
you know what you can do. Just don't be afraid, basically. And he doesn't. And, you know, Grogu listens to him, does some flips, which was amazing, as always. And then he hits um, Ragnar three times, wins. And it's, and it's great, you know? And then, obviously, there's a whole section of Ragnar, which we'll talk about because it kind of fits with Bo's stuff. But we get to a part where it's the Armorer and Grogu because the others are off on doing something, which, again, we'll talk about. But we get that flashback of Order 66, which I was hoping for, and we got it. And first of all, I just, I do want to say the armor. I love how she says Grogu. I don't know why. It's same. <laughs> I love it. Grogu. Come Grogu. <laughs> it's just I don't know why. It's so I it's love it. It's I was thinking things. that today, like while I was doing a rewatch, and I was like, man, everybody just delivers Grogu so well now. I love it's, it. It's different though, too, right? Yeah, Everybody's yeah. kind of like a little different, you know. And oh, but before we get to the before we get to the flashback stuff, I do want to mention how Bo was watching Grogu too and she was like being anti Bo. Loved and it. Like, oh, she's like, no, my dad was the same way. It's because he's proud of you. I love it. I love oh it. Oh my God, it was so cute. And then I love her like and then like off to the side talking to Din, like, you sure you should do this? Like it was so good. So good. <laughs> I loved it. I loved it. So I mean before before we get to the flashbacks of Ange talk to me about the training. And like you're just talking about Bo, Din, the dynamic when they're watching him, you know, fight, how, how are you feeling? What were your thoughts with that, with that whole sequence? Oh my God. I love that. I love anything Grogu. My God. And first of all, him just sitting there and the rocks around him. And you know, that's just always such a Jedi thing, right? With rocks. And then you see him pick up that hermit crab and you're waiting for him to eat it. And you know, because he's always hungry, the cute little guy. Um, and then Din comes and picks him up and all the hermit crabs uh, walk away. And that was just like a, a cool little moment. If you're like a Rebels fan and you know Ezra's connection with, with creatures and then you love it, know, love it. You know, and then you can feel Grogu's connection with them as well too. And the anticipation of what that could mean is, is pretty awesome. So um i have to make a comment on the way they talk the mandalorians like him saying like i'm his ward and like they they say these strange words and i'm like what is this like the the choice of dialogue is so interesting but it it just makes you realize like this is a different culture these aren't people just dressed up in armor they they speak in and act a specific way so i like how that is very consistent but it was so cute when Bo was putting the little dart thing on his arm and talking to him, but then like also questioning Din. Like it, it was just like a great interaction. And hands off to like Carl Weathers and the way he directs this to where you feel like you're just a part of what's happening in the situation. Like you're you're in attendance of it. It's just like a, a it was just great. I don't know his style of directing just feels like very inviting. So. I love this whole part. I love that he was able to get off those three darts really fast and beat Ragnar. I'm not a fan of Ragnar yet, but whatever. <laughs> I'm not really a fan of Paz Vizsla either, so maybe that has a little bit to do with it. That's so fair. that's fair. Um, but I mean, it was just, it was so cool. I loved it. Yeah, it it was. I mean, it's just cool seeing like this is how they, you know, 
you know, maybe back back in the day or whatever. This is how Mandalorians were trained. And you can even kind of get that sense with Bo walking around it, too. Again, I will, I will pin that because I want to touch when we talk about Bo particularly. But so, yeah, so the next big thing we get with Grogu is a flashback. You know, the armorer is um, hammering away, built, uh, making him a little piece of uh, of armor for him. And she talks about how Mandalorians start as ore and then they get basically like formed and reforged. And it's through like, you know, basically their trials and tribulations, just like the the armor is. And that brings them, you know, that gets it all to the flashback of him being saved from Order 66 by all these Jedi. And again, loved it. Love as many times as we hate going back to order 66. I love going back to order 66 because it's super fascinating, right? It really is. They have made that like a, a, a nexus, I guess if you want a nexus event where like, yeah, absolutely. It's a huge thing, right? This is a huge thing that changed star Wars, like the lore, everything. So we find out, and like you said, up top and the Jedi that did save Grogu, or at least got it. Well, we'll just say got him out of Coruscant. Yes. Was Kellen Beck, who was played by none other than Ahmed Best. If that's not the most Dave Filoni thing to do, I, I don't know what is. Like that is so perfect. It really is, right? Yeah, I mean, to, it, it is to invite back uh, a person that was mistreated by the fan fandom, um, and that went through for a so- long time for a long time, and and went through so much hardship. And then to to place him in this part of the story as this this hero, this anticipated hero as well, too. And it was, oh, my God, I loved it. I thought it was so cool. Now, I know a lot of like casual fans do not pick up on it like whatsoever. Like they just don't. So um, I'm cool with that because I feel like where it needs to hit is like with with the hardcore fans that are like if you know you know yeah exactly yeah i mean if you know you know you knew that was ahmed and you just like you're saying and you know the story you know what he went through you know and again even it reminds me of chicago celebration when he was on the stage and he just got the biggest standing ovation i remember you telling me that was like a huge moment it it was big. And for him to feel that and then to for Dave Filoni, I mean again, and John Favreau, obviously I don't want to not mention Favreau. But like for them to think like, okay, who who would make the most sense, right? They, there's tons of Jedi they could have used. I mean, they could have used uh Filoni's favorite, what's his face? Um Plocoon? Uh, no, Plocoon. He, died. he died. Oh no, yeah, he did. Never mind, never yeah. mind. But like he could they could have used anybody, right? They could have used a, a a Jedi that is like a deep cut or like a clone, like, like no, they could have brought Sam Jackson back. You know, he could yeah, have been like crawling know. up from the ground and, and been like, no, I'll take him. You never know. Right. Right. But no, they went with Ahmed's best character who he portrays in the, um, star Wars temple show. Jedi temple challenge. Yeah. That was yeah. his character's name. So cool. And his character was a teacher. Yeah. Of, of younglings. Oh my God. I love it. Yeah, and then I guess there is a there is a character with the same last name that Ahmed played. I had to was it Attack of the Clones maybe? Yeah, and that's they're supposed. I mean, Ahmed has said they're brothers, 
So like, I want a whole comic on those two. Give me it. Give me it. I want all, I want all the Keller and stuff now. Give me the action figures. Give me it all. But yeah, he's the one. Ahmed Bess's character is the one that gets Grogu out of Coruscant. You know, and I, again, the chase scene was so Attack of the Clones. So Attack of the Clones. It was so good. <laughs> It was so Attack of the Clones, yeah. You know, it, it really had was. that that really that digital feel, that CGI feel. Um, but it 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 but it like fit like really well. It, yeah, it it did. Like it worked for me. It was again cool flying around it. That one shot of them as they're leaving the temple. You see the temple on fire. Man, that's some. That was a great shot. That was a great shot. And then his friend, you know, he tells Grogu after they, you know, are able to get away, you know, we're going to meet some friends of mine. And it's, it's Nabooian people. It's the, the guards. And they, you see that, uh, Naboo, um, ship. It's not Padme's. I know people are thinking it could be Padme's. I don't think it's Padme's because there's two, there's two things. A, she was, she at that point is either, at um, Musafar, or even if it's not, she was still she was watching the Jedi Temple burn, so she would still need that ship to get to Musafar. So it's not her ship, but it, again, it's a Nabooian class, whatever okay. ship that it's called. Yeah, and that's so cool. Again, and that's a nice little touch of like again Ahmed being playing Jar Jar from Naboo. That's the planet that helps Grogu and him. Like I don't know, it's kind of like a, a cool little meta thing for me anyway, as a as a as a fan. And then who knows? I mean, he, who helped him get that ship? And you know, must have been Naboo, right? It could be Padme that helped for sure. Absolutely, it could be Senator Jar Jar Binks as well. You never know. I mean, how cool would that be? Is that if 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 the, he's trying to take. Grogu to Naboo, right? Let's just say. I mean, again, I, we don't know where they're going. I, I don't think it's Naboo, but I'm just throwing this fun idea out that if he is taking Grogu to Naboo, that he does, like, he like Senator Binks is the one that he talks to. And so it would be like Ahmed talking to himself. I would love it. What about you? What do you think? Oh, my God. I didn't even think about that. Someone put in my head that it, um, that it was uh, Palpatine, that it was set up. Interesting, interesting. Yeah, and I was like, no, I don't think so. But then again, yeah. Grogu ends up back in the Empire's possession somehow. So, but I don't, I don't think that. I just, I don't. But someone put it in my head. They're like, well, you know, Palpatine and Naboo, there's connections, and I'm like, yeah, 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 okay. But I mean, I don't know. But I love that idea that it could have been Senator binks i kind of think it's like padme's handmaidens you know because they they have a lot of hands in and things happening as well too from direction of padme or uh so that's kind of i that's what i thought it was more like her her people right it's definitely nabooian like her whoever right they are definitely on team save jedi help jedi save you know save the galaxy or whatever so that makes sense but yeah i mean again just the overall aesthetics of the of the scene were great for me 
loved it. So, Ange, again, thoughts, opinions on this section of the episode. Heavy stuff. I mean, really big stuff, heavy stuff for a flashback. Yeah, really big stuff. The flight sequence was just really great um, and just looked smooth. And then you see Grogu falling into the habit of hiding in the pram and then coming back out again, which was really cute. I noticed his ears were a little bit shorter, so he looked he looked younger um, is what I noticed. Oh, good um, catch, good catch. Yep, and then he he and then when the flashback when it goes back to him actually being by the forge with armor, you can you can tell there's a little bit of aging that that has happened. So I thought that that was cool as well. I was surprised, um, you know, when we saw that preview and we see like the sparks through the door, we all expected that it was another lightsaber trying to get through, you know, and we were expecting to see Anakin. I thought, I mean, that's what I kind of always thought. Who would be on the other side of that door with sparks and with something that could be a lightsaber? But obviously it was just the clones cutting through with <clears throat> whatever. But um, the the lightsaber battle with Ahmed Best, him with the two sabers, I mean, very, very smooth, very, very cool. Um, so I love that. Um, His face looks so determined. I love it. It was so thing. good. Oh. Uh, I liked it. So the whole thing just seemed really appro appropriate. All of my theories I had in my head, like, oh, maybe it was R2 that got him. And, oh, maybe it was this. And, oh, maybe We've it was that. that. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't yeah. even matter anymore. You know, it's just like, per cool. This, this, That's what it was. Perfect. I love it. So um, it, there's more questions, you know, what happens after that? Are we going to get any of those answers? Like, how does he still end up back in possession um, of the Empire? So it it will be interesting if we're going to follow up with that or if we're just kind of going to learn how he got out. So, yeah, because the last thing we see is them going through hyperspace. And that's like you're saying that kind of kicks back, kicks us back to the present. I do want to say, I find it very interesting that they do the flashback scenes when someone's sitting there with the armor making, at, at the forge, making a Ooh, piece good of, point. of armor. And, you know, it was interesting. She had said, like, the forge um, exposes your weaknesses. It's almost like she knows it's like this meditative thing or process that she's putting people through to kind of like re revisit their, their traumas. So... I want the armorer to go through that and I want her flashback and I want to see what her traumas are and what got her where she was. Um, I just think it would be nice. If maybe that happened. I'd be interesting to get her, like her story a little bit. Right. And maybe we will, maybe we will, maybe, maybe in this season or maybe in seasons to come, we will learn more about the armor because she is a very prominent character that we don't know obviously a ton about. I've always been interested in the armor since season one, to be honest. I've always been team. She armor. looks cool. Yeah. She looks cool. She is the coolest looking Mandalorian in that group. So I am all about any more lore about her. Uh, agreed. I think more, more of her backstory again, either a book, comic, something that'd be cool. I'm, I'm in, or obviously in the show, I'll take it. Next coolest looking, Bo-Katan. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And Bo, what an episode for her. 
you know, this is big stuff. So talking about Bo, again, when I, when we first see her, she's walking through the whole training and I just feel, and I want to get your thoughts, Ange, I feel like she's just, she's really understanding or really like seeing what this obviously coven and this, what this, what the way is. And I think it just brings her back to what maybe her days as a young, as a young Mandalorian, right? Training. And then maybe the days of death watch. Cause they were probably training like this too. Right. So they were, I mean, I think it was either a rebels episode or I don't know if it was rebels or clone wars, but there's definitely an episode where they're, you go to their camp and they are training like this. Clone wars. Clone wars yeah. yeah. Is it clone wars? Yeah. It is, but I just feel like what she's been going through, right? To see her kind of get back to her roots in a way is super fascinating. I feel like this is the journey she goes through in this episode. You know, I mean, it's huge. It's it, it's huge. Her her journey so far is fascinating to me. So you know, the big thing with her and Den and some of the other, you know, Paz Vizla. Again, his son gets kind of swept away by this huge creature, this flying dragon, almost like raptor. Creature. They end up calling right it. raptor. Okay, so again, very like we talked about, John Favreau, Dave Filoni playing the sandbox. Like, oh, wouldn't it be cool if I had a dinosaur toy and grabbed a Mandalorian? Like, it's just, it's it is like guys, this is like us being kid. It really is. I mean, again, whatever. That's fine. And it's fun. Um, again, those shots of like seeing them fly again gives me like Iron Man vibes when they were chasing it. It was really, really cool. Very, very cool. But yeah, so his son gets taken away. They try to follow it to the lair. They all run out of jet fuel, which kind of makes sense. I kind of like that they showed that. I don't know yeah, why. Me too. I always right? like when our heroes have like uh like drawbacks or like limits. Jeans in their armor, you know? Oh yeah, definitely. I agree. I agree. But then we see that great shot. This is what I get another great shot of the episode is Bo's ship. And you hear her theme kick in, which I, I love Bo-Katan's theme. Love it. But you see her ship like following the creature with the sun. Like, I don't know if his sun was setting or rising or whatever. But like, it was just a cool shot of them. Like she, her following the thing into the sun. It was a cool shot. And then they, obviously she comes back. And tells them, okay, I followed it. I know where they are. This is the plan. So she is leading. You know, and, th- and it's very bow, right? I mean, she is a leader through and through. Yeah, it comes out of her, like, very naturally. You know, she just, it just, she knows what to do. She knows to go and track it. She knows to take, you know, a shot of where it's at and to bring it back to them and directly tell them, like, this is the plan. This is what we should do. It, it's so natural for her and I loved that scene when they when they finally make camp and they're eating and she's asking Din how do I eat and or do you how do you eat around people and he he tells her you know you go off on your own take your helmet off and you eat and then when uh, Paz Vizla tells her that you know she is the leader so she uh 
has the honor of staying by the fire and to kind of see that look of satisfaction on her face when she sits down and you can almost tell that she's remembering like this is what she's about being a leader is where she needs to be I don't feel like it's like cockiness like yeah I'm the best I just feel like she gets a sense of belonging when she's in that role no I I 100% agree and it's very uh you know her her bloodline right her dad ruled Mandalore her sister Satine, R.I.P. ruled Mandalore, you know. So it's it it's in her like DNA almost, right? I mean, it really is, and you see it especially in Rebels, you know. And what I love about that though, when you see Rebels, where she was very hesitant about that, right? She she led like her little crew, but then when in Rebels, when Sabine wants to give her the dark saber, she's like. I am not that person. You're, I'm not the one you seek, you know, but then event again, eventually she does accept that role. Right. And I feel like, just like you said, Ange, I feel like this is her maybe accepting and getting back to those roots because she is a leader. This is, yeah, this is Bo-Katan. She is a leader, you know, and it, I just love how her whole belief system, right. Is being really turned upside down. But I feel like she is accepting it and trying to maybe is learning from it. And in all in all honesty, I think maybe I don't know if she really fully commits to like, you know, oh, we can't take our helmets off. Because maybe she is maybe under the helmet, maybe she is like rolling her eyes. But I don't know. I get the feeling that maybe in those moments, like just like you said, when she asked Din, like, why how do how do we do this? Like she wants to like it wasn't like Oh no! Yeah, how are we gonna do this? Without taking our helmets off, like she was trying to be honoring, right? I mean, I don't know if that's how you felt the way too. That like she was trying to again. Yeah, she was very respectful about it. Right, right, yeah. right. So I just I love it. And then again, they 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 finally, you know, the next morning they get up to the the lair. They find three baby like raptors. When and that's when we find out that Paz confirms that that's his kid, Ragnar. I love you know? it. Yeah, I love when Bo like turns and looks at Din like, "What?" <laughs> it's like, how does that all work anyway? Did you know? Right? How did you? Did you know this? <laughs> so, again, fun act, fun action sequence of them like getting uh, Ragnar, you know, in Paz because Paz was in the mouth. Ragnar was being held by the the talons. Again, good flight sequence. We do see, which was, again, they made it a point to show that Bo lost a piece of her armor, right? Din, you know, Din and the rest of the crew was able to, you know, save Paz and get Ragnar out. Din is the one that saves Ragnar. It's good, right? Happy joy. Love it. They come back to the the coven. And, you know, everybody sees that they were successful. And I love how the Mandalorians were, like, clapping, but, like, they were hitting their, like, wrist guards or whatever together. Yeah, yeah. That was cool. I like that. I like that a lot. But then you see, you know, uh, Din goes right to Gogru and picks him up, which was cute. Because it's like, there was that moment of Paz, you know, kind of hugging Ragnar. And Ragnar saying, yeah, I'm okay, Dad. Like, And I think it made, obviously, Din... Think about Grogu, because yeah, Grogu is his is his son. He can call him he can call himself his ward, but in all reality, Din sees himself as 
Grogu's father, you know. But the big thing when you talk about Bo-Katan is that, you know, she sees the armor and the armor says, you have done the highest honor uh, out of, you know, being in the, in, in the coven, the creed, whatever, is saving a foundling. And when the armor says this is the way and she says this is the way, it wasn't like a, again, a jokey, all right, I'll say it. Like, no, she fully, she is accepting and believes what she is saying, right? It's being respectful. Again, she might not, at this point for me, I don't, I don't know if she fully, again, agrees or like what, with their way, right? But she's being very respectful and following the, you know, just following orders in, in a way if that makes sense. And being respectful. And then the armor says, hey, I see you need some help with some new armor. I got you, which I love. And then she puts the signal, uh, her new, like, was it like her shoulder armor or whatever? Pauldron? Yeah. She, you know, she asked Bo, do you want the, the night owl again? And she's like, you know, can I have the mythosaur? And I like, again, the armor is just like, yeah, the mythosaur is for all Mandalorians. So, yeah, go, that's that's cool. So it's cool that she has the owl, mythosaur, on one end as well. But then she tells the armor, I saw one, like, legit. And the armor was like, oh, okay, cute story. I like it. Cute. I thought your dreams are a good vision. Way to go. <laughs> and she's like, no, really. Like, I saw. She's like, oh, no, that, that's cute. This is the way. No, I know. That's that's fun. Good for you, kid. Like, here's my question, Ange. Again, th- thoughts on that sequence overall. But then my question is, do you think anybody will, until they actually see it, will anybody believe her? Yes. I think okay, the armor okay. already does believe her. Ooh, I interesting. think okay. that the okay. armor likes to speak in riddles and likes to leave it up to like the person to decide. It's kind of narcissistic if I think about it. But anyway. I mean, a little um, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But when she says, when you choose to walk the way of the Mandalore, you will see many things. And that is her telling her, if you continue to stay on this path, then your future will will be what present is, itself. Kind pre- of, yeah, yeah, will present itself better or in the intention of the way that you wanted it to maybe. But that's that's what I think. It, it's just kind of like when. um when Din, you know, takes his helmet off and they say he's an apostate and he, she goes, oh, well, you have to go back to the mines of Mandalore or, or, or they're gone. And, oh, this is the way. Like, I gave you what you needed. You know what you what you have. It's your responsibility to figure out the rest. Like, what did she think? Like, it's your journey, armor, right? Yeah. Yeah. That the armor was going to be like, sweet, let's go get it. Like, I, I don't know. So and I think that's kind of the armor's responsibility is to kind of allow people to make their decisions and, and their choices on their own and just provide them with wisdom, I guess. I don't know. Or, or put them on a path, right. Of some yeah. sort. For sure. I, I loved the whole, uh, rescuing Ragnar, um, sequence. I loved all the flight flight sequence, the fighting. I loved how, um, smart it was normally the mandalorians aren't smart about cut 
getting rid of creatures, but Din and Bo really were like going after the eye, going after the hand directly, like things like that. I, I, I really liked it just shows that those two are a little bit superior when it comes to decisions and um, fighting. I mean, maybe, or maybe they're just trying to move the episode along. I don't know. <laughs> Could be. But I, I mean, it. honestly, is there anything cooler than seeing Mandalorians fly around? Like, I, I know. It's the I coolest. Know. I'm sorry. And <laughs> use like all different, ty- like, they're using their fire, their wrist thing, and they're got knives and stuff. Like, it's all just great. I love it. And then how cool was it when that raptor falls into the, the water and then the other thing comes up? Completely reminds me of uh, the Phantom Menace where they're on Naboo and there's always a bigger fish. Like, always a I bigger just, fish. I just loved it. So that was great. Definitely. So overall, it it's just like it leaves me content, but then like happy with um and excited with anticipation of what could be next like we've we've placed everybody on on the game board perfectly and where are we gonna go like from here because we're giving everybody the opportunity to to learn so like what's grogu gonna do right is he gonna continue to be a mandalorian or you know and and what's that gonna look like because you you got to see a little bit of also the way his force capabilities work too so it's like you you just don't know with him so it's just, I, I was completely happy with this episode and I felt like it just sets us up for like a good halfway point of what could happen next. I feel like this is what the point of this season is, is learning more about Mandalorians and who is the true Mandalore and what is their fate. And trying to get them right. I mean, what is the fate of the Mandalorian culture? Because right now it's in disarray, right? It's It's... You know, you have the children of the watch, right, doing their thing. You had Bo sitting on her throne all day, you know, sad Bo. And then you had people that were following her being mercenaries, typical Mandalorian stuff. So, like, I think I I 100% agree. I think for this season, possibly, again, just how I'm interpreting the story so far, is that it is about getting the Mandalorians back together and maybe re, you know, bringing Mandalore back as, as their planet, as their home base. Right. I think that's that now, now that we know that a it's habitable, right. There's not poisoned. The living waters are there. There's a damn mythosaur there. They can start rebuilding and Bo-Katan's big thing. And she said it in what episode two or three, that one of her biggest like things is that how separated and how divided the clans are, right? Children of the Watch, you know, the clan Vizsla or clan Crete, like they're all they're all doing in their own thing and they keep fighting each other, right? That's been the whole Mandalorian as we know it up to this point. Since her father died, it's been one big like civil war, right? between all the clans and different factions of of Mandalorians. And I think it is about bringing all those people back. Now, could you argue that this, that's more of a bow journey than a Din journey? I, I get it, but I think that's part of Din's journey too, obviously, is, you know, learning about, again, Bo-Katan's kind of way of thinking, right? And then 
seeing that maybe what he is a part of, that the thing that he always wanted to get back to, right? He's finally redeemed. Maybe that isn't, you know, again, maybe that isn't for Grogu. Maybe that's part of the journey as well. So, yeah, that's the Mandalorian is about, obviously, Din Djarin and Grogu for sure. But it's, a, it's about the Mandalorian culture as a whole as well. And I think that's what we're getting this season in particular, right? And I'm cool with that story for sure. I'm very cool with that story. And uh, final thoughts, anything you want to bring up, questions, concerns, or anything else you want to bring up around that uh, by the episode? Do you feel like... Bo-Katan is no longer the projected antagonist and she's actually going to be helpful in re reinstating the Mandalorian culture? Or do you think she's going to create a problem? That's a fascinating question. <laughs> no, it is because again, I it's almost week to week. It really is. I mean, right? like you like you said earlier, she could be rolling her eyes under that helmet. She could be she could be very strategically choosing what to say and do just to be able to turn her back on them and and get them from the inside. You know, it, who knows? The, those things about the Mandalorians are crazy. Ezra said it, man. And he was not wrong. <laughs> he is not wrong. But no, I think with Bo. I mean, I say it goes week to week for sure, right? Because you just, what she says, her actions. But now, I don't know, these last couple episodes, her, like, again, I think knowing or just getting the feel of what this coven is about, the children of the watch, she's getting a better understanding. And then she has not told anybody, but about the mythosaur, right? But she finally tells the armor. So is that Bo like showing that she trusts the armor to like a let her know what to do with that or what like right, you don't really know the intentions of why she tells her that. But then the answer that she gets, I think is I'm interested to see what Bo does with that. Like is she just going to take that as okay, maybe it was a vision. Maybe I didn't see it. Like is she going to take what the armor said at face value, or is she going to keep pursuing? Like, no, 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 no. I can see that. Like, I can see her like wanting to prove and show like, no dude, I am, I'm serious. This is, this thing is real. You know, it's, it isn't just these stories that we have been told. It's real stuff. It's real stuff. I mean, how do you feel? What do you, what's your thoughts on it? I have no idea. Just like you said, it's week to week. I just don't know. Um, I, 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 I want to see her come around. Um, I want to see the Mandalorian, Mandalorian culture have strength again in 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 both ways, not just in the warrior aspect, but in in like as a society and a community, um, and like what Satine wanted for them. So you know, I hope we get there for them. One more question: What did you think about them keeping those three? baby reptars i kind of dig it i digged it too you think it's a grogu thing you think grogu's gonna Ooh, i could see it again we we have gotten sprinkles of him and his ability to connect right with the um what's that animal called that we saw in boba fett um the rancor or rancor 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 he was able to, right, like, kind of calm it down and whatever. 
we saw him with the um in the season one when he saved Din that um the, the sigil that they have. I can't remember the name of it. The Mudhorn. Mudhorn. Thank you. We saw him being able to like again like control it. Not obviously he didn't do what he did with the Rancor, but like his connection with these creatures. Right. I mean, we talked about it in that episode when he saw the space whales, uh, Purgle. Was that just him? Was it because he was forced under? Did he see it? Like it would have didn't would didn't have saw it. Were they drawn to him? Right, 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 right. So yeah, I can see this whole him being able to like again help tame those creatures to where those Mandalorians can like use them, fly them. And that again, how yeah, cool that is too. It? How cool is that going to be? I know. I mean, I- remember what Quill said when he was teaching them to the the um to ride the blurg he was like your ancestors rode rode the mighty mythosaur like this we're getting back to like mandalorian like roots right 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 i just agree i just agree and and then part of that journey too i think is again with grogu his his connection to the force and then trying to be a mandalorian too that's going to be a i think a storyline like does even Grogu, when he gets older, does he, is he going to even want to do, like, is he going to even want to do this? I know Din is, like, showing him, and he's been following Din, but will there be a point where he's like, you know what, Dad, I don't think this is cool of us. Like, I don't like this. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just don't know. We just don't know. And I know a lot of people have brought up, again, we kind of talked about it, but, like, this idea of why the Mandalorians, why are they still, why are they on this planet when there's a ton of like dangerous creatures and all that, right? I know people are like, just get off the planet. But I was watching um, Star Wars Explain, and a good friend, Mark from Clash and Sabres, tweeted this out. So I'll give a shout out to him as well. But Mark, Mark even said in his tweet, like, you know, people, again, people are like, which makes which is a valid question. Why are you on this planet when there's so much danger? And and Mark's kind of tweet was like, that's kind of the point, right? That's the point of it. Like they live it on this dangerous away. planet. Right. Keeps people away, number one. And then what Alex said in his YouTube little short that they did that he did, um, Alex from Star Wars Explained, he said, you know, the armor the armor said in season one, like the way the, the you know the way that they follow this creed the the children of the watch you know you are both hunter and hunted so it makes sense that they will live on a planet where that's the case where they are both hunter and hunted it's probably not a safe place to <laughs> not a safe thing to do obviously when you have foulings and everything but it makes sense like i i get why they why why they are on that planet so i mean any any thoughts on that no i mean to me if you're on a planet surrounded by creatures one it it keeps other threats away i would think and as like the warrior um mindset like you can't you're not there to like i don't know you're there to to learn and be challenged so exactly like what the armor said hunter and be hunted right right so I dig it. Uh, final thoughts, Ange. Anything else you want to bring up? 
No, I don't think so. I did have one more thought and I I lost it, Lauren. I lost the thought. There's just so much to talk about. <laughs> so much I know. To talk about. I lost it. It was a good it. episode. It was a yeah. good episode. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right, kids. Uh, that's it. I mean, that's a wrap. That's it. That's our recap of episode four of season three of The Mandalorian. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Obviously, go follow us. Uh, you can follow the Galactic Podcast at the Galactic Pod on Twitter and Hive. And then we are on Apple Pod, Google Play, Spotify, all the major platforms. So go give us a rate and review. Let us, let people know you're enjoying our show. And that would be really cool of you. Then you can follow me, Lauren Romo, at Loronos on Twitter and Hive. You can follow me, Andrea Gutierrez, at R2D2Step on Twitter. Stream Jimin's face. It sounds so weird. That's the name of the album, Face. Stream it. Do it, kids. Do it. Do it. All right. And as always, may the force be with you. Always. 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 <laughs>